Welcome to Mostly Talk. This week we're interviewing another captain of industry about life, the universe and everything in between. Find out more at mostly.consulting. Hi, welcome to Mostly Talk. I'm James Brewster, the podcast host. This week we're talking to Claire Nelson, the CEO of the Strathclyde Sirens, the possibly the most successful semi-professional female sports team in Scotland. She's also the CEO of Netball Scotland. And yeah, we talk about her inspiring career and as a as a leader and, and as a parent and how she's managed to juggle both. And uh, yeah, we met Claire back at university. She came to us uh, for a bit of assistance with, with um, well, from the university mainly. And it was the team that was working with her. So Ronnie Brown, uh, Richard Payne, Ian Smith, Michael Greenshields and myself, uh, thanks to those guys. Uh, we, we helped Claire and, and Claire became a first client when we started mostly. So thanks to her for her time and I think it makes for a really interesting podcast. Claire Nelson, how are you? Amazing. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, we had fun talking off air, I suppose, before before we started recording. We could probably talk all day. But <laughs> no, that was a whole other show that we've already done before you press the record button. Yeah, that one's good on Sky, right? That was for your Sky, <laughs> your Sky colleagues. <laughs> so I, I wanted to welcome you to Mostly Talk and, uh, and say thank you very much for lots of reasons. But uh, it's all right to introduce yourself because... Now everyone knows who, who you are from, or not everyone knows the world of netball, I guess. Yeah, so uh, I'm Claire Nelson. I'm the chief exec of Netball Scotland, which is the national governing body for the sport. And we also own uh, Strathclyde Sirens, which is a semi-pro um, Super League team. And we compete in the Sky Sports, televised UK-wide Vitality Netball Super League. And I... I... Despite being a podcast host, I hate the sound of my own voice. So could you explain how we met? Because it's quite a cool story because it's important to mostly consulting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So we have, so we're called, uh, my uh, Super League team is called Strathclyde Sirens. And it's called that uh, because we struck up a strategic partnership with the University. Thank you. Amazing there. <laughs> we struck up a partnership with the University of Strathclyde uh, just just over two years ago now coming into my third year working together um and that for us you know being a completely commercially funded women's sports franchise um in the work, landscape of women's sport anyway where there really isn't enough funding support and visibility striking up that strategic partnership is important for us and there were a number of elements to it the university just launched Strath sports so I had a huge focus on um, sort of improving and enhancing the student experience through sport. We were, uh, along with the Warriors, we bought a female element, we bought pathways, we bought profile. But one of the things for me that really attracted me to working with the university was, was the business school. It's one of the best in the world. And we are a business, you know, sport is business, women's sport needs to be a business. So uh, a lot of what we do through our activation is with business school. And, uh, and I was asked, if uh, I would have a project for some MBA students and I had to bring uh, a, a sort of a challenge or a, a proposition to MBA students, present it, let them go away and see what they come back with. And I, and I bought the sirens. I 
I said, this is what we're trying to do, do change the game. We're very ambitious, we want to sell out arenas. We want to commercialize our product and proposition. We also want to change the game and drive impact. We've got zero budget at this moment and we need to be creative in how we reach new audiences. And there were two teams who uh, took on the, the project. We went away. I think it had like 24 hours or something ridiculous like that. And, um, and then these teams presented to us, both excellent, I have to say. But there was this group of kind of hipster guys who <laughs> rocked up, all very cool, in their sirens T-shirts who just absolutely blew me away with this presentation um, and just really seemed to get under the skin of our brand. And uh, and and in that group, there was a, a Mr. James Brewster and that's how we, we met and we stayed connected. And you guys, some of you guys came to the first home game and brought kids along and have just stayed connected to me and to what we're doing as I have with, with all you guys as well. Yeah, and, and we were we were saying it before we came or we started recording. You, you gave us a lot of inspiration and help to start our company, and and you were our first client essentially. And, and we we tried our best to help you even when COVID hit, and and we formed a, you know bond with the other team members as well, which was really cool. So yeah, yeah. thanks very much for that, that as well, and and what a great introduction. But I wanted to find out a bit more about you and your kind of your career because you've had a a, well, a really professional route uh, throughout your life in in many respects, your education, and you went to become a a marketing director is that right you're quite high up in a company oh, commercial type I, roles yeah I mean I, I've I've sort of done this uh in my career um what I've I've done is seized opportunities I've been brave and bold and and trying new things um I, I, and I've, I've gone on this journey and I've also done it whilst being uh, a mum but for me you know I went to university in Newcastle upon Tyne and I did a, a, a politics and social policy degree don't know what I thought I was going to do with that <laughs> I just for me, it was very much about kind of getting away from home and going to a city, and and I had a blast. I mean, I fully enjoyed myself. And then you come out and you're a kid with really very limited experience. And I thought, what what can I do? What am I good at? Um, and you know, this is when you were like handwriting off to to try and get jobs, and you know, I work well as a team and on my own. And you know, I, I don't even know what I was applying for, but what I I did have as a really active social life and uh, Revolution Vodka Bar had opened up in, in Newcastle and I knew a lot of the staff there and I knew the manager and I sat one day and I, I picked up a, a flyer and I said who, who are you trying to target with this I was like the messaging isn't clear and the imagery isn't good and he said right come in tomorrow be our marketing manager and and you know kind of the rest as they say is history I I, I very very quickly um, after three months, I, mean, I was 21 years old, three months of doing that role. I'd made a name for myself, uh, you know, Inventive Leisure, which owned Vodka Revolution Bars. It was huge. It had just gone public, 35, 40 odd sites. And I was given an, an, an Audi. I was made a, a national manager and I was traveling the country, um, basically working with general managers who were not realizing their um, targets and, and putting on, on, you know, kind of motions and marketing but it was very holistic I knew how to market something but I could only market it if the product proposition service everything was right so I, I kind of had started to build this um, sort of holistic skill set around how to grow a business and to meet your targets but be profitable and, and you know and did, you, did you just have a natural talent with marketing or did you study it or read anything no it's all natural it is yeah. all yeah 
it is it's I, I my skills that I have are so broad and I always say I'm a natural marketer I'm really good at brands I'm really good at communications and PR um but it, but it's it's just innate in me and it's just I can see what a business needs to do and and how to to help it grow and and develop um and seize market opportunity and and what it looks like and how it positions itself is is a critical part of it but I very much look at what sits behind it so that started off a career in hospitality and I ended up relocating to to Glasgow um and I was and uh, was uh, it family or, or work that brought you to to Glasgow here I did follow my heart yeah. Uh, and yeah, met a boy from Glasgow and uh, headed up here. And I ended up uh, running Kelly Cooper Bar, which was a, a kind of, for those people back in the, the early thousands, was the place to be. You know, it was a celebrity style bar. I was young. I went to the MTV Awards. We had footballers. And, you know, it was it was all very cool and fashionable. And I turned that business around and uh, I moved quickly into having a national manager role. So I, I was in the hospitality industry for, goodness, about a, a good seven or eight years and was very, very senior, had uh, moved to having a national remit, um, had kind of multiple corporate flats, uh, operated all over the UK, had a good salary, um, ran teams, you know, really made a name for myself. But at the same time, I, I'd also started a family and that was really challenging when my family, my, my kids, my babies are in Glasgow and I'm all over the UK and you're missing first steps. And, and not, first... not just any family, you had like four kids, right? That's really impressive to, <laughs> to juggle all that. Yeah, four, four kids before 30 and, uh, and I, you know, and I've juggled it all throughout, but it was working like that, those hours, hospitality, Friday, Saturday nights, coming home one day a week, um, and, and actually, I was pregnant with my third child, and I remember I had, had morning. I was just constantly sick, and I was being sick in the the, the toilet, the bathroom of a Virgin train on the floor, just <laughs> exhausted. And I just thought, you know, something. I I, I I've got to get more balance. Um, and so I left that, and it was really difficult because it was it was a good career, and I was doing well. Um, but I wanted to come home at night. I wanted to come home at night. I didn't want to feel guilty for being a mom. You know, that that industry was very much about the hours you did and keeping up. And it was very, every industry I've worked in has been very male, but I just, I wasn't able to be a parent at that time. So I, I moved temporarily into um, public sector and that's where I found my love for sport and sport and events. Um, and I learned a lot, but by God, was that environment not for me? It was like, yeah, I, I'm just not somebody who wants to just do a 30 something hour week, get in, get out. I, I want to change the game. Um, but it brought me home and it gave me stability. And in that time I had baby number four and baby number four for me. Um, I was being a little surprised for our family. She she also had health conditions. So when I was pregnant, we found out that she had a heart tumor and um, an 85% chance of having a significant genetic disorder. And there is nothing like being you know faced with your own child's mortality to make some hard and fast decisions about what's important to you. I was ambitious. I needed to work financially, um, but I, I wasn't going to go into an office and do a job I wasn't passionate about. So. So I started my own business um, and that was a real turning point for me. And it allowed me to be a mum, to be the mum that I wanted to be on my terms, but also to work on projects that I enjoyed and I was passionate about and that I could 
earn a good living from and be flexible. And at that time, I remember reading a statistic. This was a real thing about how women work and also this kind of self-employed piece. I think at that point, one in eight women in employment in Scotland were running their own businesses. And I thought, no, no bloody wonder, because actually this allows us to to be a parent and to work. And actually, if you do that, then you get everything out of that person. And for businesses, what they were able to do was to get the expertise of, you know, a marketing business consultant that they couldn't afford full time or didn't have the need for, but they could get that either short term or, you know, long term, but but done in a, a kind of retainer way. They could get that skills and expertise in a flexible way that suited them. And it was great. And and all but one project I worked on, I absolutely loved. And that's one of my clients was Netball Scotland. And then I delivered the World Youth Netball Championships. And that's where I not only fell in love with, with working in sport, but I started to hone what it is that, that I was becoming an expert at. And instead of having multiple projects with hotels and ice creams and lingerie groups and retail, actually it became really focused. And that's when I saw the real potential in, in women's sport. The challenge was, is that women's sport still doesn't, but then really didn't pay well. So I, I did, uh, we had, there was a BBC documentary made in the run up to the Commonwealth Games and it covered uh, Netball Scotland and a lot of the work that I was doing with the organization as a consultant. And it covers the point where actually money had run out and, and they couldn't do any more with me. And uh, at that point, I was headhunted to go and work for a global tech company. So I left left my business um, and, and went back to kind of, you know, I was, I was senior VP of a global tech company. Um, and that was hard, but it was also absolutely critical for my CV and my learning to, to go through that process. So you started Glasgow for that one or where were you? Is that? So it was a Scottish company and they had, um, uh, it was traceability, uh, it was end-to-end traceability, biggest client was Coke, but we worked domestically with the likes of Jamie Oliver, Selfridges and Harrods, oh. but they were going global and they'd got, they'd got investment in. So for me, my career was spent largely in the States. I worked with Coke, I've been to Coke headquarters. Uh, in Atlanta, you know, Unilever, Yum Brands. And I have worked with some of the biggest brands. And for me to um, get that globalization of my CV to discuss tens and hundreds of million dollar deals, to have that scale, to learn about technology, to be at C-suite level with big brands, that was uh, an amazing education for me. And, And I was really grateful for that opportunity. But Um, I am a purpose, passion driven individual. Um, And it was actually when I was over in Chicago at a conference, a a tech conference on my own, again, away from kids um, and sort of feeling the pinch of that. But I was listening to Arianna Huffington speak in the Huffington Post and she just launched her, her book Thrive. And she was talking about redefining the metrics of success, but actually what makes a good leader and at this point, the chief exec role for Netball Scotland was up. And honestly, so many people were like, are you going for it? Are you going for it? I was sitting on the board. They knew I was passionate. But they also, I think people knew that I had the skills and vision to take the sport where it needed to go. But in my head, I'm like, well, we're going for investment. I'm, I'm you know, kind of being teed up to take over this, this company. I'm 
traveling the world. I've got a good salary. There's good bonus. Do I want to give all that up to go and fight the good fight for, for women's sport, slice the salary and um, take on this battle? But um, of course, that's absolutely what I did because that, <laughs> that's where my heart is. And, that, and I just um, actually had a moment. I was flying back from Chicago and I was dozing and couldn't have this decision was been going around in my head for weeks. And I just woke up really clear and I was like, you've got to do it. You've got to go and walk the walk. And I knew instantly I've got to put myself forward for this. So we are five years and four days into the post in the middle of a pandemic. And I am still here. Um, but the, you know, things you've are, are, the things you've achieved are, are phenomenal, Claire, you know, in terms of the Sirens brand and how it's packaged up. But even your venue, your affiliations, your sponsorship, you know, your even your own, the only things you're doing with your personal brand with Sky, you're really putting Sirens names up there. You know, it's it's really impressive, you know, and, and you. you've done, you've taken all your life experiences, I guess, and capitalised and packaged them up and helped with the Sirens brand, essentially, haven't you, you'd say? Yeah, so, and for me, you know, I wanted to bring a business commercial head into mm. women's sport. I also wanted to be a young female leader in sport, and I wanted to show that um, you didn't need to be medal winning and you didn't need to be, you know, number one in the rankings to be world class. World class is an approach for me and it is a mindset. And my first ever speech I did as, as chief exec a few weeks in, we had a national uh, awards dinner and I said, you know, no longer will we be defined by limiting statements like a minority sport. I was like, we will step forward and realize our potential. I've always seen the potential and I've always seen the opportunity. When you think about women make up more than 50% of the population, they make 86% of all consumer purchasing decisions. They are the decision makers in the household. Eight out of 10 women has played netball. This is about bringing a product to market uh, and looking at how you, this isn't about necessarily, you know, getting loads more people playing netball. That That's something that we want to do. But actually what we want to do is use our platform to en engage women and to grow our brand, our profile, our power and our impact on what we do. And, and looking at how we diversify our brand. The challenge is that I don't have the finances and the resource and the backing, the visibility. So a lot of what we've done you have to be super pioneering and innovative. You have to have a thick skin. It has been the hardest, most stressful work. But every time I've sat with my head in my hands in the Emirates Arena car park, just thinking, how do I walk into this office and just keep going when it's so hard? It's because of that, that thing that, you know, if not me now, then who, when? Women's sport is so hard because it is so far behind where it needs to be. And if you don't keep pushing and fighting, then it stays where it is. And it's Steve Jobs that, that he just kept ringing in my ears. He's like, success is so difficult that, you know, most people, when you kind of meet the challenges that most business leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs meet, you would be forgiven for going, I'm out. I'm out. If I had quit on this, people would have said, respect, you tried, I'm out. But in order to, to find that true success and make the change, you've got to plow through. And that's what I, I have done is I've picked myself up a billion and one times and kept going because I need to be part of leading the change. You're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? 
Thanks for listening. Now back to it. Tell me more about you, because I think it's fascinating that you do have that in you, because I don't know, it's like, it's a very unique attribute because a lot of Scottish people, you know, you're not from Scotland, obviously, but... I'm half Scottish. Scottish. I have a Scottish father and an English mother, so I'm as much Scottish as I'm English. Don't let this accent fool you. But, but you know, even you know, that's a fight in your own right is to, you know, instill that winning mindset in a bunch of, you know, young Scottish girls who are maybe like, ah, you know, get by and have a laugh and play netball. But, you know, backtracking to your upbringing and your way of being, like, have you always had that mindset? Because... You know, you're just so driven and so like a force of nature. You've probably been called that before, right? Yeah, that's that's a, a regular one, a force of nature. Um, do you know something, James? I actually reflect on this a lot and I, I don't know where this comes from, if I'm going to be honest. I have a very, very strong father, you know, who was very driven. Um, but, you know, honestly, my, my childhood wasn't particularly happy. Um, and, it, you know, it was... It was a difficult home to live in um, and, you know, pretty, pretty strict father. And I went to private school that was very much, you know, wonderful school, wonderful friends, wonderful opportunity, but very much it was about academia, fit into a box. And if you spoke out or you, you know, had any kind of personality as a female, these things I was told at home and at school, these things won't get you anywhere, you know. The, the way it was described to me was loud mouth and and just bullshit and real negative language which females are often labeled with so everything about who I was I was kind of programmed to think that that is going to hold you back in life that people won't hire you or won't like you and it's a it's it's you know confidence is an aggressive abrasive thing and men don't want that in a boardroom and no one wants to see that um and and not huge happiness or confidence in myself anyway um thank goodness we didn't have social media back then because I I don't know how I would have survived it but (laughs) what was innate in me is I was always an activist so I was a feminist and a vegetarian not anymore, I'm sorry. Um, but I was always very much, I remember getting told off by my French teacher, Mr. Murta, shout out, uh, because uh, he was kept asking people in the class to answer questions that he knew didn't know it. And they were mortified. And I was just, for me, social injustice and things, you know, that weren't fair and, and lack of equality. I was always felt this burn inside me that I needed to challenge it and speak up for it. Um, And I guess for me, what I've had to learn over the years is how you channel that constructively and how I use this passion and power to fuel the fire of what I do, but to learn how to present it and how to influence. Because I think, you know, I'm very strong and I'm very confident, but I I like to think that one of my greatest strengths is, is in people and building relationships and taking people on a journey with me. And you've got to work really hard at that when you're a woman. You've got to work at it really hard when you're a woman who is blonde and, you know, dresses a certain way. So I've had to learn how to take that fire and make it work for me and take people on that, that journey. Um, and I'm kind of having those conversations with my eldest daughter at the moment who is so passionate about the world and I love it. Kids kids are going to change the world but it's like how do you use this to not be aggressive and argumentative but to 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 engage and educate people but for me a, a lot of it I just think I've 
I've done a lot of work on myself. I've done a lot of personal development. The Big Leap is the book that changed my life. It took me to the age of 30 to start that journey. And I'm probably a, a decade in now, just turned 40 and feel really comfortable in my own skin and who I am and where I'm going. Um, but, but who I am has always been in me. And every single person has that. What you have to have is the confidence um, to really let that come out and unfortunately society at the moment doesn't want that we've all got to look the same and conform and I see it in my own kids stepping out and challenging things or having a voice or being different social suicide and you know for me what we've got to try and do is empower and encourage young people particularly women and, and girls to have the confidence to one try to understand who it is they are and what they're passionate about and, and, and what they want to be in the journey they want to go on but to then be able to present that to the world and to go after those opportunities and not to just sit and stay limited and contained it's uh, very and difficult very, very difficult you know the, the age your eldest daughter's at and and you, you reflect back on your career it's very difficult to navigate which direction to go you know and and I, I do think that you know the education system and it's kind of broken a bit in some respects. You just, you know, I, I'm good at, I don't know, I'm good at history. I'll go and study history. I'm good at maths. I'll become an engineer. But it really doesn't get behind what makes you tick. And it, it doesn't give you inspiration, if you like, to say this is a good path to follow. It's just, it's a bit of a scattergun approach. This is a whole other podcast, if you want my opinions on education <laughs> and how little it is preparing young people for the world. And, you know, for me, I have been that mother who has sat with the careers advisor where they're trying to tell my child what they can and can't do without asking them, but also without any knowledge of what's out there. You know, the job that I did uh, previous to this in the world of traceability, Internet of Things, you know, I, I mean, I didn't even know what sensor driven technology and predictive data analytics was we don't know what the world's going to be. and We don't know who these humans are outside of geography, maths and physics. I am not criticising teachers or education, but I don't think that it is evolved enough as a system to try to determine the skills and passions that a, a young person has to, to help let them find their journey and experience new things. In the end, my eldest daughter ended up taking two years out after school because I said we're not going to go and do something for the sake of it you've got to just find who you are in the world but I did say you're going to work and you're going to earn money and she she did that and she was she's worked she's put money away she has traveled and she's now at second year university doing international business management oh. and she's so clear on what she wants to do and where she wants to go and she's so happy uncomfortable in her own skin and it's just amazing by letting her go and find who she is outside of the confines of, a, of an education system um it, you know she's, she's just going to be remarkable in the world but that that took some bravery from our part to go and let her find and explore that and to learn that actually if you want stuff you also have to go out there and get it and you've got to work and grind and hustle for that as well yes and then you look at that peer group, if you like, it's 17, 18 year olds all here and what's your son doing? What's your daughter doing? And, and it's like, oh, my son's went and done this. My daughter's went and done that. And it's rubbish, isn't it? Because ultimately, you know, just yeah. to go out and learn to work in restaurants and learn how to engage with people and learn how to yeah, yeah learn different trades, go and get go and become a plumber or something, you know, or anything that, you know, 
hands-on there's this drive towards academia that doesn't necessarily lend itself to everyone you know that's my point though James about you've got to have that confidence in yourself to shut the noise off and to listen to yourself and and that is hard it's easier said than done it's hard but for me when I was trying to determine the things that or help guide my children on what path they should take the questions I asked weren't what how did you perform in this subject it was very much about where do you what kind of life do you want like where do you see yourself what what does that feel like and for my daughter she was very clear on what she didn't want and then we started looking at okay well this is what you're passionate about and these are your kind of skills and you start to build some ideas and themes you know if you know what you want to do great but if you don't it's like try and go down a journey but but keep it open enough that you can explore. I mean, look at my, you know, hospitality, technology, sport, own business. I've, I've, I've gone like this, but the constant through all of that has been me and my skills and passions. You can, you can transfer across all different industries. But, you know, for me, I, I need to just tell you about my son. So my son turned 16 on Sunday and he's so entrepreneurial. I love it. And he is I don't know where this has come from I might have a clue actually uh, <laughs> but he's he wants to open a gin brewery he's like knows every single he's so entrepreneurial he wants to create this really cool brand now whether he does it or not I've absolutely no idea he wants us to invest in this startup I mean he's you know not of age he doesn't even know or like the taste but this kind of hunger to try something different and to research it and to give it a go and to put yourself out there and start your own business and want to work for yourself I love it I love that he's just he's got a passion and that for me is exciting and everything you'll learn from that journey even if it's a, an epic disaster in a couple of years you know it's like you you know just be able to meet people and, and yeah. understand the profit and loss account and, and yes. understand the business plan perhaps okay. yeah uh, although I said to him I was like well do you want me to come in and, and be chief executive like Absolutely not, Mum. Uh, I'll be executive <laughs> my own business. But yeah, just you know, for me, I just like that kind of diversity of thinking. I like that they're passionate. I like that they want to go out there and earn their own money and make their own, you know, mark on the world. And that for me is just they're, they're so engaged with what's happening politically, and you know, and then they, they'll see the world they're going to live in. And they'll see the world through a completely different lens. And it's like a real insight for you as well, I guess, and your husband. Just yeah. to see uh, I love it. I, I I always say when I sit with my, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I've got amazing children, really good kids um, like me. They are very kind of engaged in, in politics and what's right and, you know, using your voice for good and, and change. And when I listen to them speak, um, I have absolute faith that, that, the world will be a better place with these guys. Uh, they will find solutions. I, you know, they will work out how better ways to work and technology. They will not do what we've done and how we've done it. But, but that's the exciting piece, and that for me is is my job to kind of encourage that thinking and that ambition, that self belief in themselves. And, because that's and they get hard. A, they get a hard time the younger generations, right? But ultimately, they've got so much energy, drive, ideas, and they've. A, they're digital natives, you know, they're, they're not having to learn how to do things the way that we are, you know, they're accustomed to. I know. It's scary, but uh, yeah, and we talked briefly before before we started recording just about mental health and, and you know, you're a really good champion for mental health as well. And and even the Sirens brand, it's bigger than netball, you know, it's whether it's female leaders or body image or mental health, you know, you, 
would you mind telling us a bit about like lockdown experiences and your thoughts on on uh, how people are faring, if you like? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think it's important to say that when we when I launched Sirens, uh, launched in 2016, season started 2017, we launched it under the kind of uh, campaign um, slogan of changing the game. And that means two things to me. One, it means take women's sport and what people think of it um, and how it looks and how it's delivered and change it. And let's bring it right into the 21st century and make it a really credible proposition. It means taking all the stats that shroud women's sport around investment, visibility, leadership, participation, and let's not moan about it. Let's do something about it. But it was about actually using our platform to engage with people to really make a difference. And for me, when you look at whether it is leadership or you look at participation levels, particularly in adolescent girls, that huge drop off that you get from primary to second, what underpins all that is your mental health. And at the moment, what you're seeing, particularly in adolescent girls, is that self-esteem is at an all time low. Uh, the last stat, this will have changed but the last stat uh, I saw was that 69% of girls aged between 12 and 21 feel like they're not good enough and eight is the age where kids are becoming body conscious now when you look at the, the TikTok Instagram age where everything is being airbrushed and you're being sold to look a certain way to drink drinks that will make you you know crap so you can lose weight to put fillers in your face it's all this construct of an image it's exhausting that these things are absolutely having this negative impact and and lockdown has only exacerbated that and I, I'll come at this from a women and girls angle but I am so concerned about the mental health of a nation and for me what I'm most afraid of with COVID most afraid is the impact that it will have on the economy and the impact that it will have on the mental health of a nation as a result of you know people losing their jobs and businesses and identities and and I think we really need to start thinking very quickly about how we mitigate that and how we start to look at recovery plans and we as a sector um, as chief execs of sport, the 35 of us are really committed to making sure that, that sport in the community and through clubs is absolutely playing a central role to driving that recovery of the nation. But, but for girls, I think, you know, I've always talked about we are more than just a sport. That was absolutely hammered home to me very, very quickly when we shut down our sport. And days later, I received an email from a parent one of our members um, who was a young teenage girl who tried to take her own life because her identity was just so uh, just entwined with with what netball was and how she how that made her feel and that being taken away from her with already fragile mental health she just didn't see any hope and I really identified with her because when I was at school when I talked about having you know, just difficulties and not feeling particularly happy as a teenager. I played netball and it was the only place I, I felt good enough. It was the only place I felt happy. And that for me, if that had been taken away from me, I don't know how I would have coped. So for us, you know, yes, we're focused on the, the, the kind of survival actually at the moment of netball because we cannot get into facilities and it, we are absolutely in crisis. We are innovating and diversifying our brand and we're bringing new products. 
but from the outset of lockdown and us suspending our activity, our number one um, priority was about protecting the health of our members. And we have partnerships with SAMH, we work with NSPCC, National Confidential Forum. We've got new staff who've joined the team with an abundance of expertise and passion in this area. And we've made it our mission to create resources, human connections that really help and support people, that signpost people to additional support they need it. But we've also just tried to keep connected with videos and digital and challenges to let people know they're there. And for me personally, I, I have been reaching out, connecting to a number of members to just check in on them and make sure they're okay. Because for me, we would not have, we, we would not have been able to say we've survived COVID if any member was, was kind of left behind or impacted by this mentally. And so, you know, for us, it has absolutely changed our focus as a business and um, it's even more centrally built into our plans moving forward now. Yeah, and it's such a it's such an important community for sport, you know, and all all walks of life, really, isn't it? Whether you're, you know, just kick around playing fives or, you know, you're into yeah. semi-professional sport like you guys are. It's, uh, it's massive for people. Sport is 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 a hobby and a passion, you know. That's why people take up take it up. That's why they do it, and that's why you know even when your best favorite team loses or or you don't achieve something, you still come back to it because you love it. It's an emotional connection. That for me, I always say, sport represents the best and 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 the worst sometimes, but the best <laughs> of of people and society. And it brings nations and communities together. It can divide us at times with rivalries, but on the whole, what it takes to be an athlete or a fan or a volunteer for me represents real um, incredible human traits. And so that's why it's absolutely critical that sport is protected through COVID, that sport is used as a vehicle to recover and rebuild the nation, that the million plus members across clubs, uh, across the whole of Scotland and the UK, um, that we are given the support and resource to be able to engage with them and rebuild or, or, you know, change our sport and the delivery model, but to make sure that we don't lose them that we don't lose the connection that we don't lose the opportunities particularly older people who are isolated or you know marginalized communities or or people that are low you know suffer from from poor mental health sport provides so much more than just an hour you know a week to do um and and i hope that it is given the focus um centrally and politically that it needs for us to protect the work that we've done so far as sports, but to more importantly, as I said, underpin this this recovery effort and um, for the nation moving forward. We're going to need it. We're going to need it. And in terms of uh, the sirens and getting supporters to the games, have you kind of been innovative on that front? You know, have you, have you looked at different models for delivering the sort of live experience, if you like, as unfortunate as yeah. it is? So, I mean, disappointingly for us, you know, our, our league was shut down uh, after round three this year. And we had just experienced our first home game, first win, biggest paying crowd, sellout spectators. We had press, we had media, politicians, Judy Murray. You know, it was just, it was, I just on that night thought, oh, we've we've kind of got it here. We had new sponsors that were working with us. And for that to go at such a critical point for us, uh, you know, is really scary. 
Um, so for us, what we're looking at is how do we remain engaged with those fans um, and how do we build new audiences? But the reality is it's unlikely that we're going to be able to have live spectators for a while. So as a league, we are working out uh, or working on a plan at the moment to how do we increase our visibility and get more eyeballs on our sport. And, you know, for me, whilst you're going to lose that live spectator experience for a season or, or for a few matches, however long we're out uh, of of behind you know closed doors um what what we're focusing on is how do we build visibility and get more audience around us so that when we eventually can move back to to the big arenas that we've got more of an audience to to sell to so our number one priority at this moment obviously aside from from people's health and well-being um, and the support of our clubs is about um, growth and visibility and we've got a huge marketing strategy about to launch around that and it's really exciting some of the announcements that you're going to make around like kit and stuff and what your plans are for the next three years it's, it's big right you've got got lots to look forward to loads to look forward to you know we are really focusing on all the stuff that we've been talking about for three years but you you potentially don't prioritize it as effectively um and something like this covid forces it you know i i just presented to the team and uh, my two quotes in there, one was Winston Churchill, never let a good crisis go to, to waste. Uh, and the other was, you know, that that your big opportunity might just be where you are now. And that's what we're doing is that, yes, we've got all these challenges about how we deliver our sport traditionally and we're working through those. But we've got a captive audience. We've got technology. We've got people who are entertainment and sports starved. And we've got the ability here to go to market with new products that are around retail, lifestyle, health and fitness. Um, and, and what we want is we want the nation to get behind the sirens of their team. There is a national women's sports team here who play on Sky, who are competitive. It is great action. And we want to get more eyeballs on our sport. So we are, yeah, we're working really hard and being innovative and creative. And, and you get all those things right as you're, as you're doing. It's like you've got a global reach then. You know, you become a global brand. And then your market's huge. It's not the 5 million people in Scotland. It's, it's global, right? And yeah. I used to say you can't bring like a, a player from China or India or somewhere one day and, and, and get following there. And it's like... Yes, the, the well, we're, all, we're already all over that, James. We've are. signed some <laughs> of the biggest global names in sport. We are, as a netball brand, we are recognised globally as one of the best. You know, even just launching our app, which we've just done, the first ones to do that, because I was thinking, how do you reach your people? And, you know, how do we create this kind of hub to push more content? So we are known as innovators in terms of our digital and, and how we push boundaries with with brand and women's sport just notice it's getting really dark in here um so yeah but for me I, I want Scotland to know who we are outside of a netball audience and I want mums dads boys girls to get behind sirens we, we play against now uh, nine English teams one Welsh you know get behind us supporters it's exciting it's not what you remember in school it's an exciting sport you know we don't need to say it's women's sports so only girls watch it get behind it's more exciting that i believe than 90 minutes and no one scores a goal in football it's end to end and it's yeah. physical but for me we we really we want to tackle scotland uh, we've got a go global footprint as it is and then once we can do that and we can sell out the the Emirates Arena, 5000 seats and we're a, a household name we'll look at where else can we take 
our brand and how do we work with other female sports and athletes um, and, you know, really be leaders, particularly around that commercial piece and bringing commercial partnerships and visibility and developing brands, bring the business of women's sport to more women's sport. Yeah, it's a phenomenal uh, positive message to end on. And I've got to run and get the kids from nursery as well. So here <laughs> anyway, as the, as the sun goes down, but good to chat as always. Yeah, thanks very much, Claire. And again, thanks for your support. And uh, it's been it's been great finding out more about your story as well. My pleasure. And I'll speak soon. Take care. Bye. Wow. So that was Claire Nelson of the Strathclyde Sirens. Uh, We're really grateful to her time. So thanks very much again. Uh, A really inspiring leader who helped us a lot in our journey as a small micro consultancy. Uh, The good news is we have another great guest on the next episode. Gary McLean, the former winner of MasterChef and Scotland's first national chef. Uh, Gary is a really inspiring guy. He's opened loads and loads of restaurants. Uh, He's taught loads and loads of people how to cook. And we talked to him about his his career, really, and and what he's done with it. And restaurants, uh, the restaurant scene in general, and restaurants in Glasgow, and all things lockdown and family, etc. So, yeah. Tune in next week to find out a bit more about Gary McLean and his career and find out a bit more about what we do at Mostly.Consulting. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. Find us online at Mostly.Consulting. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a review or tell a friend?